Welcome to a bonus series on the Life Giver Podcast. Made possible by the USO, these bonus episodes are from a monthly series called You're Leaving Again, where the USO is following Matt and I during our deployment, and we are sharing our authentic story with you. Whether you're going through your own deployment, our geo-batching, on an unaccompanied tour, or maybe getting ready to, this series aims to be the first of its kind. Real life, gritty, but resourceful content aimed to help you keep your marriage and family strong while you're apart. So whether you're a military spouse or a service member, this series is for you. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, or head outside for a walk and listen in as Matt and I share what we are learning apart with you. Last time on the Life Giver Podcast. We started dinner and making dinner so late and dinner started taking longer to pull together than I thought. And so by the time we were getting to seven and 7.30 to eat this dinner, we were so hungry. We were all bickering and snapping at each other. And I was exhausted and starting to get frustrated. And the dinner was great. And I was so glad we had it. But did we really have a good time together? right? Did it really meet that intention that I was trying so hard to make it? And so I had to go to bed at the end of the night and go, okay, lesson learned. I'm not going to wait that long. Like if I have to start at five o'clock or four 30, even if I were going to do that again, I'm going to start earlier and it's going to make for a much better night. So those were choices that I figured out that like, I can adjust what I'm doing to myself and I get to choose whether or not I'm actually going to burn out or not. So Matt, anything that you would add to that? So we're not doing the HelloFresh again? No, we are. We are doing one tonight. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Just, just making sure. Um, just not the pork tenderloin with roasted vegetables. <laughs> Yeah, so going back to the uh, to culinary and stress test, um, do not underestimate that your burnout has a lot to do with we are moving into the, we're about to start almost the 11th and some places 12th month of wearing masks and being over hyper cautious around people and places and things all of our levels of anxiety have been up. And so it doesn't take anything for any of us to get to burnout at this point. We're all burnout, just, just beer, just merely existing. And even where I'm at um, in the world, it just reminds you, it's like, this is a global phenomenon. I mean, you can be in your little enclave and think, you know, what are the kids going to be like having to grow up like this? And how is it going to change them? And, and you know, what are they going to do? And how are they going to compete with the rest of the kids in, in America? Because <laughs> kids around the world, I mean, I was even in a different country than where I'm at right now, a few days ago, and still seeing kids on a playground and just with masks on. And you're like, wow, this is just, this is global. And it's hard to conceptualize the toll that it's taking on all of us. I even remember after the first deployment, you know, Corey and I both went to the doctor and got ourselves checked up. And the doc was like, your adrenal glands for both of you are just done. They're exhausted. You have nothing left. And a lot of that was with 
was what she was going through as the care and the go team leader and responding to those casualties. And the same for me as a chaplain downrange responding to them. So there wasn't anything left. There was no water in the well for the bucket to pull up. And so, yes, we are all going through that burnout, but let's also like put, put the, put the blame in a, in a, the, not the blame. Um, let's explain it in the right ways that, that you're, your burnout is going to feel worse, especially if you're going through a deployment during the time of COVID, okay? So there's that. The other part is um, in order to get through difficult things, you oftentimes have to figure out what are you gonna do with this later or how will this pay off later? Something that constantly pulls you forward. If you're always sitting in the now and experiencing what you're experiencing right now and sitting in that moment and that feeling, the longer you ruminate on that feeling and you experience that feeling, the more intense it will get and the more you will become overwhelmed by it as you begin to just kind of recycle those thoughts in your brain. So my favorite person in the world, um, other than my wife, well, my favorite famous person in the world that's, that's, uh, that wrote stuff and came up with big ideas, he's a guy named Viktor Frankl. And he was a, um, he was a survivor of Auschwitz. And he wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. And it's been one of the things that's been foundational to who I am as a person. But what he did when he was in a concentration camp, and he was in a concentration camp for three years, and he lost both his parents and he lost his wife. But he would picture himself at the end of that time going back out into civilization, leaving the concentration camp, and teaching people in the university the psychology of surviving in a concentration camp. And that's what pulled him forward. He said the people that survived in a concentration camp were the ones that gave themselves and their lives meaning and purpose. Children are exhausting. No two ways about it. That is true. They will, they give as they give you as many years as they take away. All right. So, um, but you have a very vital role to play in reshaping the world. Like you're reshaping the future of the world by reshaping little humans. And that don't be overwhelmed by that. Just enjoy as much as you can the experience of pouring into them. This season will be over before you know it. And it doesn't feel like that right now, especially with young kids. It feels like every day is an eternity. And then you wake up and eternity once again, right? But it will be over before you know it. Um, so find something each day. You know, every day isn't a, a great day, but you can find something great in every day. So, and I know that sounds like a really bad high school football coach, but. No, but there's so much truth there too. And, um, and I would also say guys that, um, the comparison game is not going to, it's never going to be productive. It's just never going to be productive. It's no. two totally different experiences. And I did, I do want to say, I see, um, uh, that somebody commented that it's not just about deployments and being separated. There's a lot, um, on a lot of your shoulders, even just when, when the spouse is home and you are mm -hmm. carrying a lot as a military spouse. And I agree with that completely. You could apply this to whether you're together or you're not together, 
But I just want to say, um, if there is something that you look at your spouse's world, let's, let's use working out because that's a, a one that everybody brings up. And I know it's one that's probably comes up for me too, you know, of like they're working out for two to three hours a day and I can't even get in a walk, right? Like that kind of resentment feeling kind of comes up in you, right? I just want to say when that comes up, instead of just harboring on that, like Matt's saying, like you are a person of worth and value. And if that's something that's bothering you, that you're not getting a chance to take care of yourself, then it's about setting boundaries with yourself and, and getting the resources that you need to carve out that time to take care of yourself. Um, it is difficult in every season right now. I feel like a taxi driver with teenagers. Um, and so you have to adjust your life a little bit. When my kids were young during that first deployment, I felt like that. I just could not even get a walk in, but somehow by the end of that deployment, I had tapped into childcare or support from friends on the block that also were looking for that time away, your COVID buddies, whatever you want to call it. And whether it was going for stroller walks or stroller workouts, or whether it was going for a run in the stroller, or whether it was putting them in childcare long enough for me to go to the gym, get a workout in, go to the grocery store and get everybody get home, that you can carve out that time for yourself. And I've heard from a lot of service members who've said, I want my spouse to be able to do those things. And I want to help her like figure out how to best have that time to do those things. So make it a conversation and champion that for yourself. So important. Okay. All right. So let's get into this one. Um, how about my husband and daughter are so much alike. They argue a lot, which puts me in a hard place. So how do we navigate this? So you have, have anybody have like, um, two that like are like fuel and fire together. <laughs> um, maybe it's siblings that are like that, but you, when you're trying to parent as a team and you're trying to go at it one way and your spouse is trying to go at another way. And it's like adding fuel to the fire. Um, I, I do have one child that kind of bucks the system, wants to break the rules, wants to challenge almost everything. And I know there's been lots of opportunities, Matt, where you or I could be in either of those categories, right? Where sometimes I'm adding fuel to the fire and you've stepped in or, um, the other way around. So do you want to take that one first? Well, yeah, I, sorry. I was just in that moment thinking about the way that Jack and I, um, trigger one another, um, without knowing more about the situation. Um, it, I'm thinking, I want to, I want to offer a thoughtful answer. Do you want me to go first? It, well, it, as an adult, we have to we have to begin to know ourselves. We can't parent well if we don't know ourselves because you don't know where you're coming from. If you're parenting without knowing yourself, really, honestly, then it's just an inner child fighting with an outer child. And I know that's what happens with Jack and I is that I've got this little inner child that's like, no, you're not going to win, fighting with an outer child that's like, I love, you're not going to win. And so it's the back and forth. Um, and what it is, is it's an overwhelming for, at least for us, it's an overwhelming, it's a flooding of emotion that both of us don't really have the natural means and, and how we're built genetically almost to be able to control that it requires for me, a higher executive functioning in the front part of my brain to be able to acknowledge that I'm having an emotional flood 
and then to be able to suppress that in order to deal with what's going on with the child in front of me. And I find that when I'm able to do that, when I know myself, then I'm that much more able to speak truth into that child um, for what they're experiencing. And I, I think, you know, we create little me's, we create little us's in our life. And, you know, each child has a little bit from both parents usually. And so to be able to, uh, if you understand yourself well, you'll be able to tap into the heart of the child that much more. And so that there, if there, if that is happening in parenting and you're in a crazy cycle with a child, you know, it's like when you were leading that, uh, when you were leading that training, uh, where I was working and they had to, um, uh, the person was like, yeah, well, who has to go first in that? And you're like, well, the more, the more mature one. Yeah. And, uh, and that's really hard. And, um, I know that's easy to say, but I'm, I'm 43 and it's taken me decades to get there, but it requires that, that hard work. Um, you know, it's not always easy to be an adult. Sometimes we have to go talk to a professional and allow that professional to talk to that inner child right there in whatever woundings and heal, healing needs to occur to be able to do that. That's, I guess that's how I'm weighing in on it. What do you no, think? I, I love that answer. And as you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, we all have the ability to kind of get triggered by something our kids do, you know, because it, it does mm -hmm. kind of go back to that imprinting thing, right? Like what triggers Matt um, is different from what triggers me and the why behind both of those. And I would say that the times where I've seen, let's say Matt triggered, it's far easier for me to step in as a helpmate in that situation to Matt, right? Like I'm not trying to, um, I'm not trying to break up their relationship or over control it. I'm trying to, I want them to win. I want them to win at, at this relationship. Right. And so, um, you know, when your spouse is triggered, I think it's having the mindset that you get to be their helpmate, right? Because that emotional flooding happens. But here's the thing, when that emotional flooding happens, it's really hard to accept help because the emotional mm -hmm. flooding makes you want to just finish it or fix it or be right or whatever childish, you know, thing you're going through in that moment. Right. And so I'm mm -hmm. not saying that, you know, your spouse is childish, but what I'm saying is we're all capable of getting triggered and, and having a hard time seeing the right perspective. And so it's taken some great um, conversations for Matt and I over the years to learn how to do that tag team. And we're not always perfect at it. And so there's been many moments where I've been triggered and I'm not even sensing just how pulled in I am to adding fuel to the fire before he kind of like tags me, you know, like just kind of puts his hand on my shoulder and it's like, Hey, like, let's, let's take a time out. Let's go talk about it. Or, or he will be that helpmate to say, Hey, you know, he'll start talking instead. And so it, it is going to take some um, conversation with your spouse because some, some are going to receive that as you controlling the situation. And that's why it's so important um, or mm -hmm. disrespecting their attempts to try to parent because sometimes mm -hmm you don't think you're triggered and you're really think you're doing the best parenting you could ever be doing. And your spouse comes in and tries to help. Right. And you feel like they are interrupting and it's disrespectful and it's making the children, you know, not, you know, appreciate the way that you're parenting it. Like you get, then you get into a conflict. Right. And yeah. so I think what I'm saying, first of all, is I, we all have the ability to be triggered. We all have the ability to have emotional flooding happen. And it's having the conversations as a team 
for how can I best help you in those situations? And then the only thing else I would say on that is, um, there are times to be a helpmate if you have talked about it and agreed on it and like, and, and help where you can. However, I'm not saying for you to insert yourself in the middle between them all the time. And that becomes mm. your role. Um, I, somebody once shared with me a long time ago that kids need to ha- see two different kinds of parents. They don't need the same parent two times. They need to see dad Mm -hmm. react to something different than the way that mom reacts to it. They learn something about the world from that. They're going to have different kinds of bosses and friends and relationships and personalities around them. And they're going to have to figure out what do they think about that and how are they going to handle that and react to it. And so there's a benefit for them seeing two sides. There's also hurt that's going to happen. There's also relationships that are going to go through rough patches. And so while I want to be a helpmate so that, um, let's say Matt and Jack in that scenario succeed and have a wonderful bond. And I want to make sure that happens. Um, there's also times that I just have to let them own that relationship. And as your kids get old enough, it's being able to say to your kids, Hey, I, I think you, you know, like if they come to you and say, you know, I really don't like the way that dad handled that situation. That's kind of an older conversation, but it's being able to go, I think you ought to take that to your dad. And, and ask mm-hmm. him about it or talk to him about that instead of me giving them the answer. Because if I give the answer on their problem, then they don't get to mm-hmm. resolve and grow in that relationship. I need my child and my husband to own that relationship. And, and it's the other way for me too. I, I am mm-hmm. responsible for my relationship with my sons. And if there is something that goes wrong with that, Matt's going to definitely champion it, but it's going to be up to me and the boys to work that out. And the sooner we get into a pattern and a rhythm in their upbringing of making it a safe place for them to bring their concerns or requests, or could you do this differently? Um, the sooner we're going to launch them into the world where they can have those tough conversations and other relationships. Yeah. I think the thing that we don't like seeing in our kids is the thing that exists in ourselves that we don't want to deal with. That's really tough, right? Um, even way back, um, and I do see, um, way back. I remember even when the kids were really young, I tried to make it a pattern, um, to ask them maybe every three months, like, what could I do different? Like, how could I, um, Mm -hmm what could I do different during the day? Or, um, that's really tough to hear those answers. Um, and even as they get older, you know, um, but it's, it's tough to hear it, but it's important. Okay. So some, there's some questions about, um, Matt wanting us to go through some of the different stages of childhood and what each child may or may not need from their deployed parent during those stages. Um, and so Mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit about, let's kind of go through, I definitely address some of this in your listening guide that you have access to. And so we can definitely go through what that child needs, because we always get this question. My child is really young, let's say three or under, and I'm trying so hard to make opportunities to connect with, um, we're going to use stereotypes here to make it easy, but to connect with their dad, who's deployed. And I'm worried that when, um, dad comes home, the child's not going to recognize him and how that's going to feel. And there's a lot of anxiety surrounding that. It's the biggest question I get. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to just kind of go through the stages real quick and just kind of talk about like some things that you can do 
um, to reduce your anxiety um, surrounding those different stages and how they can stay connected with their parent. Okay. So infancy to toddlers, um, and we'll even go into preschool here, um, age level. Um, let me start off with this metaphor. Okay. Um, kids start inward. So think of it like a metaphor. Um, like you're looking at this child, um, and, and kids that are very young, even through elementary school, they're kind of looking down and they're kind of just looking at themselves. Right. Or maybe picture them holding a mirror, right. They're holding their own mirror and what they, um, what they're thinking about the world and what they think about themselves is largely just whatever's in their head. Right. And some of it's coming from their parents too, like um, how we receive love and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. That attachment is really important. Um, but they're not super aware. I mean, they're playing with kids on the playground, but they're not super aware of like what everybody else is thinking. Right. They're not thinking about what that neighbor kid is thinking or whether or not that neighbor kid feels insecure or what they're go- what's going on in their world. Um, and so that's why some of those younger kids don't remember a lot of deployments. They don't remember. Uh, even some of the conversations that you had, because they're really just so in the moment, in the present moment, in their own world and whatever game or Lego they're playing with. And that's what they remember. My 16 year old, like most of his childhood is basically Indiana Jones and Legos and VeggieTales. That's it. Like, that's like, that's everything his childhood was. And so, um, when you get into middle school, it's almost like this child kind of looks up and realizes, oh, wow, there's, peep there's kids around me and they have thoughts and feelings that might involve me. And so I don't even know how to have that conversation at the lunch table, but they start like kind of waking up to an awareness that there's other people around them and that might matter. Right. And there's all that struggle through middle school. That's why middle school is so terrible. Right. Then when you get into high school, I want you to picture the same youth, the same kid, but now they're surrounded by all of their peers and all of their peers are holding mirrors. Right. And so who they are is more of a reflection of what their peers say about them. Right. And so all of that concern into who am I and whether or not I'm accepted comes from those peers and they see themselves as their peers see them. Okay. So I want you to think about that as we go through these different stages and apply it to deployments and what might be happening in deployments, um, and, and what you can do. Okay. So, you know, Matt was saying, you know, you were looking back through some of our emails. What did we do with the kids when they were like toddler during that first deployment? What did you see that we were doing in some of those emails connecting with you? So one huge, yeah. One huge thing was, um, uh, Military has a cool factor. I mean, that's one thing that always wins. Depending, I mean, basically every branch. I mean, you've got a really cool, cool factor of things you can. I mean, for us in the army, it's taking a kid over to see tanks, and I mean, taking pictures of a tank or you doing something cool because that wins this this air of you know, wow, they're doing something important. Wow, this is you know, you. Uh, I always felt like Aiden was looking at it like, oh, this is so cool that you get to do that, and he kind of made made me feel cool doing it. I'm like, I'm not driving the tank. I just know the guy that drives the tank and I'm standing next to it. And uh, he's like, I've never been that close to a tank. Um, And so sometimes it's playing into that cool factor of just being able to share what neat, interesting things that you're doing. And, you know, I know if uh, anybody's out there that's on staff listening, you're like, what do I do? Show them a PowerPoint? (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, you know, you can still translate it into, you know, 
the the impact that you're having or the people that you're seeing or the the, the interactions you're having so you can uh, you can frame it in a different way one thing that i do remember like the video i remember of aiden and you were just talking about how kids are like pay attention to themselves was Corey did this great thing she would you know it was back in what was that 2009 2010 and um and Aiden would get on camera with his little Indiana Jones hat and his jacket that had that little fringe around the top. And he'd be like, oh, I'm Indiana Jones. And he'd be doing that whole thing. And he'd be like, Dad, I love you. And I love you. And I'm just, oh, oh, and he's just watching himself in a camera. And he totally went from I'm interacting with Dad to wait a minute. I'm on the TV. <laughs> Look at my hands. So they get distracted real easy. So that's the joy of young children is really you just have to keep them entertained for just a couple minutes at a time. That's why you get exhausted because it's a million couple minutes throughout the day. So one thing that we did was we read books or I read books and uh, then I actually sent the book to them. And that's a great program that the USO has that we absolutely love. Uh, that makes a huge, huge difference. The ability to uh, connect through reading um, and kids will, you know, especially if it's a book that's meaningful to them and it becomes something that they just hold on to and they, you know, ours, it was polar bears past midnight. So right. I don't know what happened to the polar bears after midnight. You know, I, I always thought people out after midnight were just like bugs or thieves or something, but yeah, gremlins, you know, that's what happened with the polar bears. That's what wrong, wrong with the Antarctica. So anyway. <laughs> no. So um no, it's a great point though, is that um you know what though? Like even if you um record the kids talking to themselves on on the camera and sending that to your spouse, like it's it's uh, it doesn't have to be perfect. And don't stress about like they they have to have this super high quality conversation with the other parent because I mean, no mm-hmm. I, a toddler level during, even during the day when you're at home, you're not having super deep in-depth relational conversations. Right. So it's really just about sharing life. So, I mean, there were several times that I would just kind of set up the camera and whatever they were doing was whatever they were doing. And I would send that to Matt and it was like Mm -hmm. great for him to just see whatever they would do if they had the time, right. Or see them talking to themselves. It was Mm -hmm. just about um, seeing them um, on occasion when he could. And so again, this is take the pressure off a little bit, have, um, definitely take the pressure off of live conversations because there's so many opportunities for Mm -hmm. technology to go wrong and putting a lot of pressure on that. So even if you're like Navy and you're just going long periods of time apart and you're not even getting those daily conversations, yes, do the best that you can with live, but have those stored up recorded things that you can share, um, Matt and I use um, a drive, like a Google drive, that's just for sharing pictures and videos with that he can look at at his convenience when it's a different time of day while we're sleeping and he can't connect, right? So you can store up some of those videos. Um, and then like when they come to shore, um, he can, you know, binge watch all of those videos of the kids. Did you want to say something? Yeah, absolutely. If they're under four, they they may not know it's not live. So right. they may just know that they can't actually talk back. So, I mean, if you, I imagine if you're out there on a ship for 30 days, that gives you an opportunity to record like 35 minute goodnight things 
put that into Google Drive, and then every night, right at bed, you just download another one, and oh, guess what? You know, it's another video. You know, we can't talk to the you know mom or dad right now, but we can just listen to them, and they just get that touch point on a daily basis. But they're all there, and you just have to pull them down. And great thing is, like after thirty days, they probably don't remember what day one was, so you can just reuse it. Very true. Very true. So just to assure those of you out there, um, you know, my 16 year old, even my 13 year old, um, when I ask them, they do not remember the first two deployments. They remember that they happened. They remember some key dates. They remember talking to dad over Skype, but they don't remember it as like this terrible time of their childhood where their father was absent. Um, so I just want to ease your fears on that a little bit and ask you to just relax and make sure you take care of yourselves. Um, and service members, definitely make sure that you are um, touching base, record your own stuff and send it their way. Like um, record just a conversation or what, not just about what you're doing, but ask questions. You can, you can do a, a conversation that goes back and forth where you record. Here's my like three questions for you. When you do your next video, see if you can answer those questions and send them back to me, like something like that. Right. So it kind of creates this ongoing conversation. Okay. So let's go on to, um, elementary school, um, is a little bit more of that. They're just a little bit more aware care packages can be coloring sheets and anything that they do in school. We sent all kinds of random stuff to Matt that I think he enjoyed and kept. And then they all came back at the end of that deployment. Um, but you know, I would send some of my favorite things and every now and then if they could write like a little letter or assign their name or something like that, or just show that they're learning to read or, um, or color in the lines or whatever that looks like, um, is a way to keep, um, kids connected. Um, and I, can I just say one of the things that, you know, when I was overseas and it was only like, I think a nine day trip, seven or nine day trip, um, it was this really interesting role reversal where I got to go to Afghanistan and call you, Matt, and wake you up at like 530 in the morning because it was the only time I could call. Um, and it was a brief call from the USO. And I remember calling you and I was so excited to share like all of these things that I did that day. And there was helicopters in the background and I just could not wait to get on the phone. And it was the perfect role reversal. But I want to tell you what I learned from that as a spouse is that when I called and you picked up the phone at five 30 in the morning, which I loved the fact that the boys were like snuggling up with you, um, which cause so many spouses do that too. Um, you got on the phone, obviously super tired at five 30 and, and like did not have the same energy that I had. Um, and couldn't match the level of intensity that I was bringing to my need to want to connect to you. Mm -hmm. And I found myself wrestling with that in, a, in the moment because I was like, no, wait, no. Do you hear how excited I am to tell you about my day? And like, I, I'm just, I'm missing you guys. And he was like, yeah, okay. All right. Like, I'm just waking up like I need a second, you know? And so I think what I learned from that is, um, definitely feeling what it, uh, for just a brief moment, what it's like to be in the spouse's shoes, um, in the service member's shoes and just realizing that, you know, there's always going to be different odd timings of intensity and things to share and, and that there needs to be that understanding that everybody's in a different spot. 
grace for when people are in a different spot. Um, but I, I imagine it can be very lonely at times to have that intense need of wanting to connect with your family and the kids like spending just a short, um, brief amount of time on the phone and how that can hurt your heart when you're missing um, your family so much. And so I don't know if I have all the words to be able to comfort you in that. Um, but I will say that I know that that's really hard to try to stay connected. Um, I want to encourage you to not shut that off and numb it out and, and just not do it. Like, mm -hmm. I think that it's, it is worth mm -hmm. it. I would rather feel the hurt and the discomfort and the missing of someone because that's what brings connection. And that connection is, is a relationship that's supposed to bring you joy, um, and, and a desire to want to come home. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's worth feeling mm -hmm. that more than feeling apathy from numbing it out. So Matt, I don't yeah. know. That's a tough one. No, there's gold in that. There's gold in those negative feelings. And you've got to, you got to take that. You got to store it up and you have to treasure it because that's the thing you have to lean back on when you reintegrate. And then when you're doing life again and you start having petty arguments, because you look back and you're like, oh no, I'm not, we're not going to argue about that anymore because I know how precious these moments are. And we forget about that, but you got to store that up and remind yourself consistently okay, I'm going to choose precious moments over petty moments in order to, to really keep that jewel. And like you're saying, one of the, probably the, one of the biggest difficult things in deployment is time zone differences because you're always going to be out of sync. You know, somebody's going to be waking up. Somebody's going to be going to bed. Somebody's had just had dinner. Somebody's done with their day. Somebody's starting their day, you know? Um, and so time zone differences have a huge deal to play in that. So um, I wanted to talk about teens. Are you, are we at teens yet? Is that? Yes. And, and as you get into that, I want to hear from you guys in the chat, like tell us, share with us. Cause we, we only have our experience, right. And what I've heard from some other families, but share in the chat, um, how you keep your, um, how you stay connected with your kids. If you're a service member, or if you're a spouse, mm -hmm. what are some of the strategies that you do to help that connection, um, during these different stages, because there's so much wisdom in the room that you guys can share. And we'll collect some of that and I'll make sure that it's in the listening guide for the recorded version. So share with us what you guys are doing. Um, or maybe if you're like a seasoned spouse, um, what's worked in the past and you're really glad that you guys did that. So those are good. Those are already coming in. So Matt, um, yeah, let's talk about tweens and teens. So one interesting thing is I, um, you know, uh, a couple of years ago, I just decided um, to invest in the kids to help in a way that I, I did not know about all about kind of how the world worked at like, you know, 13, 14, 15. And I kind of wish I, I had only because it would have been, I would, I think I would have gone in more prepared for saving and investing and, and being honest and being pragmatic, not being honest, but being honest with like what the, the reality of the world is and being pragmatic at it. So, you know, part of going through a deployment, part of being in the military, um, is, uh, is it has a lot of great benefits to it and has a lot of, you know, very steady paychecks. And so um, going through a deployment sometimes is explaining to, to your child, look, you know, we just came through coronavirus, right? And thousands of people lost jobs, weren't able to pay for their homes, weren't able to do a lot of things. But we in the military had a consistent paycheck. We had consistent good benefits. And so to be able to explain to a kid, hey, right now, you know, especially a teenager, they can comprehend this. You know, right now, this isn't easy. 
you know, for me to be gone or me to be busy working. And I know that I would rather be at home spending time with you, but um, this, you know, when it just comes down to it, this pays the bills really well. And this helps me express who I am in the world. I mean, this is who I'm, this is who I believe I am built to be. And I've got to go own that. And I've got to experience that as much as I'm going to encourage both of my boys to go be who they are built to be out into the world, but also to be very pragmatic about it and to understand that you can't, you know, nothing comes easy and you can't get to where you want to go by just trying to do the simple, easy things. I mean, the nine to five sounds really good, but um, you can't really start off in your twenties and thirties working a nine to five, um, being able to save and invest and plan for the future. So part of raising a teenager is turning them into an adult. Part of turning a teenager into an adult is making them think about these adult things, helping them to conceptualize and to be able to compartmentalize and go, okay, so I understand that while this is not easy, this is actually a very good thing and it's a benefit. And for us, it's a blessing. And um, to be able to to have that job, to do those things and uh, to continually progress. So just to be able to communicate with them adult to adult, I think is very meaningful. No, and I think it also brings up strengths again and um, what each parent kind of brings to the family and brings to that child, right? And so um, mm-hmm. I love these comments, by the way. Um, I'm going to get back to that strengths thing in a second, but I love the fact that some of you are saying like um, one of you, like you have dinner conversations every night because it lines up with the time zone. And I love the consistency mm-hmm. that that brings. Um one of you was talking about how um, dad shows that it's dark outside and the, and the kids are super curious about that because it's a different part of the world and that can be super exciting and different. Um, so all yeah. of these are such really, really great ideas. And so I kind of want to go back because Matt, you said something that made me think about it, that like when you go back to the kids when they're really young, one of the things that, you know, when we talk about not wanting to be the bad guy and your parenting and solo parenting all the time and carrying that burden, one of, one of the many things that your spouse brings is sometimes a different voice, a different pitch, a different tone. And so sometimes just Mm -hmm. hearing him read books was a different voice than my voice. The boys almost got like so used Mm -hmm. to hearing mom's voice that they stopped hearing it. It's, you know, so Mm -hmm. um, having that different voice was really, really helpful. Um, And that's a good reason of why having your spouse play a part in discipline where you can, like I would say a little, you know, graceful, kind, kind of discipline. It's really tough to really hammer down on a child from a distance, especially when they're not there to give hugs and physical affection as a follow-up. So maybe they're not doing the hardest of discipline from a distance, but having those like really good conversations of, you know, let's talk through what happened and why, why that happened, why you made that choice and still having a loving, kind conversation from the service member or from, um, if it's a father, let's say, um, having that different voice and different approach is still really important. Um, And if they are, I just want to encourage you guys out there that if you don't have, I put this in the handout um, and I want to make sure that I say this the right way. If there's a long period of time of them hearing their father's voice, um, getting them involved in an appropriate um, place where there is other male voices, let's say, right. 
Um, we would switch this if it's like, so a family member that gets involved with weekly calls, right. Um, or coach on a sports team, something like that, where it's, you don't feel like it's always just your voice is the only voice that they hear. And so there's something about having the village, um, come together and help you and support you as you need it, as it's appropriate. Um, so I just want to stress that Mm -hmm. it needs to be appropriate relationships. Um, but going back to your teens and tweens, um, I just want to say, um, that's something that Matt and has been very helpful with me on is that, you know, there's some conversations that I know that I kind of lead out on and then that's my thing. And that's what I do with my kids. And that's my style. But sometimes what the boys need is they just need to hear it from dad the way that dad would say it. And so like, whether it's talking about what's happening in the world right now or what's going on with school, I know one of the days that, um, I wasn't able to address what was going on with our 13 year old. I told, um, Matt was asking how he could help. And I said, Hey, can you just like, can you reach out to Jack and talk with him about what's going on with his friends at school and some ways that he could like, um, handle some of those conversations and kind of brainstorm that with him. And, and that set Matt up with a topic, right. And it set up, set him up for success to have Mm -hmm. like, not one of those conversations where they just stare at each other, but they actually had a purposeful conversation about that. Um, or there was another time that I don't even know what the boys were bickering about. Um, but you were able to address it with them and parent them through that. And I still don't even know what the issue was, but they resolved it, the three of them together. And I was so grateful. And honestly, yeah. I was so grateful to not even know what the topic was. I still don't even want to know what the topic was. I it just was lovely that you were able to, um, step in and handle that with love and grace and um, a great conversation. The boys were like, Oh yeah, dad was great. That was so helpful. We, we totally solved it. And it was like, Oh good. Don't even tell me about it. Like, <laughs> um, so there's, there's some definite ways that you can have them get involved that sometimes they just need to hear it. The other style other than yours. Um, again, they need to, mm-hmm. they need to learn different styles. So we have yeah, not discipline. Isn't only about, one discipline is not only about um uh, behavior uh, maladaptive or dysfunctional behavior has happened and we need to address that you know action reaction type thing there can also you can also implement some sort of like ongoing form of accountability so that you know the deployed parent has an opportunity to do a check in once a week to maybe look at a chore chart or to look at a behavior chart and say, hey, you know, hey, good job. You know, you were you were kind, you were courteous, you took care of your chores, you know, you didn't talk back, you got, you know, five out of seven stars this week. Out of, you know, way to go. Good job. You get an A plus, you know, or hey, you only got three stars out of seven. Tell me about that. Why is that going on? And so it can form not just the level of like discipline or correcting a behavior, but it can also be a part of being accountable to helpful, hopefully um, intervene in that behavior in the future is, is, is a means to, to co-parent at that. Because you can't always be there right at the moment the behavior happens and react to it. Well, and I love that um, they're talking in the chat about using the, the five-minute check-in, which was from our um, last month's where I included the five-minute check-in in the listening guide. It's just a really like five mm-hmm. questions, four questions actually, four questions that you want to try to answer in a sentence or less, which is great for kids, um, but it gives you something to talk about. It's a way to check in each day. Like, um, 
what's been on, you know, how are you physically feeling? What have your thoughts been lately? What emotions do you feel about that? And what do you, what do you need today? Like, I can't tell you how many times I go to my kids and go and run through those questions. Um, Matt can run through those questions and you would be surprised um, kids ability to not only answer those questions, but you're actually helping them form the frontal cortex of their brain when they're thinking through those questions. Mm -hmm. So it's a very, very powerful tool that is so simple, so simple. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Matt, in the time that we have left, I'm kind of thinking, um, that we should maybe rapid fire some of these, um, questions and then, um, maybe we just won't like have both of us necessarily answer both questions, but we'll just kind of go back and forth and see what we can raise my hand. If I decide to answer that question. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um, let's see. Um, all right. So real quick, more tips on how to stay connected with texts packages. Last time you talked about the journal, but I can't remember the details. Let's talk about the journal. Go. Okay. So so it's, uh, it's called day one. Uh, For a minute, I almost said one note, but it's called day one journal and it's available on iOS and Android. And we don't get any, I'm not, I don't own any stock in day one. This isn't, you know, that sort of thing. But what it has been is for me every day, it's been an opportunity to wake up first thing and go into the office, sit down with a journal. And before I turn on any sort of email, before I respond to look at social media or anything, it's just opening the journal and thinking about, it's basically a five minute check-in that for me takes about 45 minutes to, to detail what it is, what my experiences are, if I'm taking pictures the day before, to upload those pictures, describe what's happening. Um, it's an opportunity for me um, to be able to look back on this experience of the deployment on a day-to-day basis and, and to see what that progress was like. And there, it's born out of a couple things. Uh, the first is, is I very much regret not documenting what I was thinking and feeling uh, and experiencing on every day of our first deployment for multiple reasons um, that I could be able to look back and go, okay, that's what I did. That's how I responded. That's what I was going through. But I do, uh, I feel a little bit better than that now because I went back and took emails that we'd exchanged during the first deployment and entered them into a new journal called the Afghanistan Journal um, and put them in there according to the day. And so you can see the way that we're responding is if we'd use the journal. And so it was just amazingly interesting to see exactly how much we are sharing. But there are 151 entries in that Afghanistan journal. And that's a lot of good stuff to see how we were progressing. And one of the things I specifically remember about almost every one of Corey's journal entries in the first four months when I went back and reread them in that Afghanistan journal was, hey, I can't write a lot, I'm really tired. The boys have me exhausted. I'm just barely making it, but I love you and I miss you. And that was it, you know? (laughs) I was the one that had the time to be like, and I did this, and then I felt this, and I experienced that. But, oh, well, I had the time. So, and that that makes the difference. But it's a way that um, you can go back, you know, our lives are built on shared experiences. And when things get lean and you don't have enough shared experiences in that moment, to be able to go back and look at the ones you have in the scrapbooks of life, that gives you a little breath of fresh air of, 
we can make it through this. We've been through some, we've been through difficult things. We can do hard things together as a family. So it is the day one journal. Um, you can, and, and Corey the other day, she was so exhausted. She couldn't write in it. And I was like, just do a video entry. And so she just did a video entry into it. Just hit record. And with a spoonful of peanut butter told me about her day. And it was so, it was wonderful. But that, that was all, you know, it was, this is what went on and I'm going to bed. Love you. Good night. So yep. day one and journal. We, and we also got a couple's cube deck of cards as discussion starters for when we didn't know what to say to each other. If we did have a phone call and that's also been helpful. All right. So Matt, we're going to have to make them faster answers for the rest of these. Okay. Sorry. So I'll take this next one. How to handle extreme, ex how to handle the meltdowns of a four-year-old that sometimes take hours to come down. We've tried everything and nothing seems to work. I'm just going to very quickly answer this because I had a child that really melted down a lot. Again, I mean, I don't know what's going on with your child. I know you guys are really working hard on that. There's um, temper tantrums are normal for young kids. Um, usually I will say looking back as a parent, um, there was things that I could not know that was going on in that child, whether they were hungry, lonely, tired. Um, and we do the best that we can to figure out what that is. My, uh, my advice from being that parent, um, that was also trying to do that by myself is I learned to try to stay ahead of it as much as possible. So, um, I know when I was solo parenting with a child that was prone to meltdowns is that I figured out, especially at the beginning of that deployment, I figured out I can go out for an outing one time a day was all that kid could handle any more than that. And they were like too tired, too exhausted. It threw off the rest of the day. And so that order and structure for me turned into, um, you know what? I can do one outing a day and that is all we can do, um, for my own sanity's sake. And that was my way of proactively trying to figure out what tends to throw them off in that schedule. But I know that that can be really difficult. Make sure you surround yourself with some good support and take care of yourself as much as possible. Um, but we can expand on that perhaps another time specifically, but that's really, really tough. Okay. Um, we're going to go down to, um, we touched on, um, time differences. Um, for sure. That's definitely a challenge. Um, again, those recordings I think really help a lot. Um, and so trying not to put so much pressure on, um, live moments, you know, and, mm -hmm. and you'd be surprised, you know, they'll, they'll look back and go, Oh, I was totally connecting with dad. And they just aren't remembering the fact that they were recordings back and forth that everybody was sharing. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's just as meaningful. All right. How do you determine how much screen time is too much for any age when you are solo parenting and your spouse is away? I think this is a couple's decision, right, Matt? I mean, but I mean, at the end of the day, mm -hmm. you kind of have to decide when you're the one at home, um, you have to do the best you can to make the decision that you feel like is right for you that day. Um, so, I mean, definitely high level. I think most of the research, we would all agree that less screen time is better. Um, there's going to be moments where you turn to screen time because you're merely surviving that doctor's appointment or whatever that you need to get through that. And I think again, grace for yourself. Um, but I would definitely say my rule of thumb is there are, there are those times that I want to turn towards 
giving them that screen time because I need it. They need it. We all need to chill out and take a break. And I'm not going to beat myself up for that. But if I'm turning to that every single day as a coping for all of us, then that's another red flag for me that um, this is turning into something that we're kind of devouring instead of addressing what it is that's bringing stress into our life for the in the first place that's having us turn to that and escape. Right. So I'd rather it be something that we are choosing that we get to do because it's something that we enjoy or that we've earned the time to do. Um, I have a, we have a rule that we're trying out in our house right now that um, usually we have no screen time during or no video games during the week, only on the weekends for four hours on the weekend days. Um, But the boys negotiated with me and they basically said, hey, if our schoolwork is done, our grades are good, our chores are done. And um, can we have an hour or so before dinner? And I was like, you know what? Let's try it. Let's just see what happens and see if it's something that we can actually do. I wanted to respect the fact that they were asking for it in the right way. Um, And I found that I actually needed that hour before dinner myself. Um, And it was gave me kind of that quiet space to like kind of compose myself and kind of help me figure out what I wanted for the evening. And so it kind of ended up being a win-win. And on days where they didn't get those things done, they didn't do it. So I think you just kind of have to work it out and what's best for your family. Um, All right, Matt, I'll give you this one. My service spouse is upset that I want a house cleaner to help out with chores while they're away. How can we discuss this topic so we don't end up in another argument? Um, Then I, I think it goes back to like, so what are the expectations? Is it just an expect? Is it a financial um, issue that that uh, that it is trying to save money or can't afford it, or um, you know, is it a financial issue? Uh, so I mean, I don't know. I, you just you have to have the conversation about why, why, why are they upset about it? Um, but then also to be able to stand on on your feet and go, look, I, I can't do this without it. You know, and that's just kind of the way it is. And I mean, concessions just have to be made at times. Um, And there, you know, I realize that uh, because I'm not there to help form the quorum, this is just this is me. And I believe this is true. Um, I get I get less of a vote. As long as it's not illegal, unethical or immoral, and it's within the family values that we have, I get less of a vote about what happens there at the house because I'm not there to to assist in in mitigating it, you know, just as much as I wouldn't expect that my supporting spouse, you know, she she may go, well, just stop working at that time or, you know, do this or don't do that. And you're like, well, I can't because it just has to be done. So I have to own my world and give her the freedom to own her world. So good. Okay. Um, I would, I would echo all of that. I would say the same thing. Um, I've heard of free resources available, um, to assist me while my spouse is gone, such as lawn mowing services, car washes, where should I be looking to find this information? I don't have a specific website on that. Um, maybe somebody watching does have, um, a website on that, but I will say, um, 
First of all, definitely look for them. Um, there's a lot of churches um, that surround um, installations that might have a ministry like that, where they are offering um, helping with lawn mowing. I know that there was one church that we were part of that did that, that they actually um, would go out and mow lawns. Um, they would um, help with the car, changing the oil in the car. Um, and sometimes churches don't know that that's even a need until you bring it up, right? So you might be um, able to start something in your community that's a huge need just by simply asking for it. So don't be afraid to ask some of the churches in your local area if, if they know about it or if it's something that they do. Um, I know on the installations, for the most part, on installations, um, if the, if you have entered in that your spouse is deployed, they will usually come and do your lawn, definitely with ha- helping with house um maintenance and those sorts of things. So make sure you check with your installations about the support that they provide during a deployment for sure. What do I say to my kids when they start to cry and say that they miss their parent? Um, What do I say to them to make them feel better? I think we kind of covered that a little bit. Like it's okay to feel it and it's okay to step into what they're feeling and allow them to have Mm -hmm. that feeling. Um, You want your kids to miss their mom Mm -hmm. or dad, right? So it's not about you making them feel better so they don't feel that anymore. It's about, you know, sometimes just saying, I miss miss daddy too, or I miss mommy too. And so that's okay for you to miss them. Would you like to record a video for them? Yeah, that's what I was saying exactly is redirect that energy. Um, What do you miss about them? And then how can we express that to them? And then involve them in being able to send that letter off, color a picture, write a note, record a video to be able to express it and then to be able to have the deployed uh, parent to be able to respond to that and to be able to turn that, you, you turn that heartache into a connection because that's what that's there. It's that it's missing that connection. So reframe it, turn it around into a connection. Very good. Two more questions I have. Um, one of them is I've heard such things as taking M&Ms out of a jar to count down when my spouse is coming home. Um, but what are some other fun ways to keep the kids involved in a positive household environment to count down the days? Or is this only hurting the situation? Such a great question. I have definitely tried the countdowns. You're going to see a lot of opinions on that. Um, I think it honestly depends on the kids and um, the kids personality. Um, so there's no perfect way to answer this. Um, I have seen some kids that really just struggle because it feels like um, forever. And I've had some, I've had some spouses that just broke down in tears, making like as many paper pieces of paper for a paper chain that they needed to make in order to like, it can be more discouraging for you than it can be for the child. And maybe they're loving getting those M&Ms, but you waking up every day and seeing that many M&Ms in a jar is discouraging. And so I think, um, you have to make the best decision for you. I definitely think as you get really close to, um, that, um, that separation ending, that having a countdown that makes sense for that child at that developmental level is helpful. Our teenagers can understand when the school semester is over or, or in the spring around Easter, like they have the ability to kind of think through that a little bit better than let's say a toddler who can't comprehend that amount of time. So if it's like a, an elementary school student, you know, I'm going to really maybe count down when we get to 10 days, right? What can they count to and what they can, and they count down easily and then maybe start there. Um, but there is, there's, it says something about being able to have a rhythm and having that rhythm and not having your constant countdown remind you that your rhythm is not a new normal. 
Like sometimes you just need to let mm-hmm. the deployment just kind of be the normal for right now. And, and everybody settle into that um, and not have so much anticipation. Last one is um, about making nutritious meals for my kids while my spouse is away and the struggle to do that. I think the answer to this is, is a mentoring that somebody gave to me um, during our first deployment when things got really, really stressful. And it was a really tough time for us. Um, and it was a tough time to parent because the unit was going through a lot. Um, but I remember a, um, a mom that was much older than me just looked at all of us and said, you do realize it's okay every now and then to give your, guy, your kids Cheerios for dinner right? Like you're not going to win, like, or you're not going to win the worst parent of the year because you gave your kids chicken nuggets and macaroni and cheese for the second time that week, especially when it was a really intense, terrible week. Right. Um, and I think for me, it gave me like the permission again, taking that stress off of yourself. However, again, same thing as video games and screen time. I think if we can aim for it to be an exception, not the rule, right? Where we can say, you know what? I have goals for myself. I have goals for my kids, but I'm leaving time and space for moments where we just need to like have breakfast for dinner. So Matt, anything else? No, just being graceful. Be graceful with yourself during this time. It's just the season. It will end. And, uh, and you can, you can come out on the other side better. Thank you for listening to the Life Giver Podcast. If you're enjoying these episodes, please share the podcast with other service couples that may benefit from the show. If you'd like more information about me or Life Giver, head on over to coreyweathers.com or life-giver.org.